All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to yet another episode of What Had Happened, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly, bringing you lesser-known true crime stories. What's good, fam? I'm super thrilled to be back here supplying you with your true crime podcast fix. Welcome new, sometimes, and ride-or-die listeners. Don't forget to spread the What Had Happened word to your people. And also, as always, if you haven't already, join the What Had Happened Facebook group. Go ahead and join the What Had Happened community, where I share dank true crime memes, true crime stories, and podcast updates. Also, don't forget to follow What Happened on Instagram and Twitter. You can find and hit your notification or favorite button wherever you listen to What Had Happened for episode notifications. Alright, so I kicked off spooky season by telling you about the Tacoma Axeman, Jake Bird, a prolific train-hopping serial killer who claimed to have killed 44 people, primarily women, from 1920 to 1947. Today's episode is one I've been planning on telling you since I began podcasting in February. I just wanted to find the perfect time to present it, and to me, there is no perfect time than Halloween season to travel to Norway. I'm a metalhead, and although I don't listen to black metal or death metal, this case has always sat with me. There was, I'm going to preface and be real with you, there's a lot of Wikipedia used in this script for the sake of telling this story accurately, and loads of thrash metal was listened to while scripting, because, you know, killing is my business and business is good. Uh, because you know what? You gotta get into the groove when you're telling this particular story. So, I'm gonna tell you right now what had happened to cause murder in Mayhem. Mayhem are one of the founding bands of Norwegian black, of the Norwegian black metal scene. Founded in 1984, their music has been influential in black metal. Quick background on both uh, on the genre for those of you who don't know what black metal or death metal are. It was easier for me to again hop on that wiki and get you guys a description. So black metal, which was conceived in 1982, is classified as an extreme subgenre of heavy metal. Common traits include fast tempo, shrieking vocals, heavy distorted guitar playing, with tremolo picking raw recordings, unconventional song structure, and emphasis on atmosphere. Norwegian death metal and Norwegian black metal came along shortly thereafter. As I said before, Mayhem formed in 1984 by frontman and guitarist Oystein Arseth, aka The Destructor, and finally going by the moniker Euronymous. Bassist Jorn Stubert, aka Necro Butcher, and drummer Chettle Mayhem. Or Mannheim. My bad. Ha ha ha. Sorry, Chettle. Like, I really worked hard to make sure I pronounced your first name properly. And then I go and fuck up your last name, which is super easy. Mannheim. Like Mannheim Steamroller. Mannheim. The group's name derived from the Venom song Mayhem and Mercy. The band's influences were Motorhead, Rip to Lemmy, Venom. Black Sabbath, Slayer. I went to go see Slayer and Anthrax, y'all. Yeah, sorry, got excited there for a minute because I have seen the, the big four of metal. Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, and Slayer. Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Ooh, and I saw the Wu, so don't fuck with me. I know my shit. 
Slayer, Bathory, Sodom, Celtic Forest, and Parabellum. Content included extreme anti-Christian and misanthropic views. Chef don't judge. The band and scene presenting themselves as a cult-like group of militant Satanists who wanted to spread terror, hatred, and evil. They adopted pseudonyms and appeared in photographs wearing, quote, corpse paint and wielding medieval weaponry. The scene was exclusive and created boundaries around itself, incorporating only those it deemed to be true or committed. Musical integrity was highly important, and artists wanted black metal to remain underground and uncorrupted. Yo, I'm with it. Like, I mean, I'm not with, like, the, like, vibe. I'm I'm really not. not. I'm not gonna lie. That's a bit too much for me. Like, there's a band from Europe, not gonna name them. They have a song, and when I listen to it, I immediately have, like, these vibrations going through my body that I cannot fuck with. But chef don't judge, you know what I mean? To each their own. That's way darker than I myself am willing to go in my liking of any kind of genre of music. But again, chef don't judge. That's cool. Whatever. If you feel it, you feel it. The band recorded their demo, Pure Fucking Armageddon, with Oystein aka Euronymous, on vocals, but after that recording, he recruited session vocalists Eirik Norheim, aka Messiah, and Sven Eric Christensen, aka Maniac. Like most band members, like most bands, members left and new ones came in replacing Maniac and Chattel Mannheim. Swedish vocalist Per Ingve Olin, aka Dead, and and he was vote yeah, and local drummer Jan Axel Blomberg, aka Hellhammer, joined the band and the energy between the members was electric. Their shows became highly coveted. I mean like they were like kind of fickle pickle. Like, you know, like they would just like drop a show on you. Like boom, out of nowhere. Creating fucking mayhem. Which was really cool because, you know, it, like, built up the, like, you know, the reputation for the band. It it built up the scene around them and their fandom. So, <clears throat> Dead, a true artist, like, super dark, morose, introverted, um, like, he was, he was a real he had a lot of shit going on. He had a lot of demons. There's no way to sugarcoat it, okay? Um, he was a true artist, and he had the entire show vibe conceptualized and would go on stage wearing corpse paint. So, black and white makeup was skillfully used not not to copy Kiss or Alice Cooper, but to literally look like a corpse. Imagery that fit in with the dark content of the band's music and obviously what the fuck he was feeling on the inside. Hellhammer would say that Dead was the first black metal artist to use corpse paint. Dead would bury his clothes and and dig them up before each show. While performing, Dead was known to begin, begin cutting himself with pieces of broken glass or a hunting knife. 
to complete the vision Dead had for the Mayhem shows, there were often pigs or sheep's heads impaled on pikes on the stage. A quote given posthumously about Dead by his band replacement, Stein Johansson, quote, He didn't see himself as human. He saw himself as a creature from another world. He said he had many visions that his blood had frozen in his veins, that he was dead. That is the reason he took that name. He knew he would die. Euronymous professed to being a theistic Satanist and was known for making extreme misanthropic statements. He presented himself as leading a militant cult-like group known as the Black Metal Inner Circle. In interviews, Euronymous claimed to be against individualism, compassion, peace, happiness, and fun. You sound like a fucking blast in a cancer. He claimed he wanted to spread hatred, sorrow, and evil. Hi, Oscar the Grouch. In a 1992 interview, he said, quote, The hardcore punk pigs have correctly made themselves guardians of morality, but we must kick them in the face and become guardians of anti-morality. The following year, he told Kill Yourself Zine, quote, There is nothing which is too sick, evil, or perverted, and claimed, quote, I have no problem with killing someone in cold blood. Metallion, who knew Euronymous since 1985 and considered himself his best friend, said that Euronymous, quote, was always telling what he thought, following his own instincts worshipping death and being extreme huh again a fucking blast and a cancer however some who knew Euronymous claim that quote the extreme satanic satanic I'm sorry my goodness I can read satanic image he projected was in fact just that a projection which bore little resemblance to his real personality they include Necro Butcher, Chattel Mannheim, Varg Vickerness, and Bl- <laughs> sorry, Blackthorn. Uh, Faust said that with Euronymous, quote, there was a lot of smoke, but not so much fire. When asked why Euronymous made such extreme statements to the press, Ishnim said. Quote, I think that was very much to create fear among people. He added that the scene, quote, wanted to be in opposition to society and tried to concentrate more on just being, quote, evil than having a real satanic philosophy. Mayhem drummer Cato Mannheim, Euronymous's friend from 1983 until his death. Well, I mean, like you know, okay, yeah, friend, described him as, quote, health-oriented, a nice guy, a family guy, but said that when his older friends weren't around, he could, quote, play around, play out his role. So basically, like, when he had, like, the younger kids around, he could be a fucking douche canoe, but when he was around his older people and his fams, he had some fucking act right in his body. 
Okay. Uh, he would also say that Euronymous became, quote, extreme towards the end of his life. Quote, he liked telling people that they were worthless, that he was the best. He was all, quote, I define black metal. Black metal is me. I think he was trapped in the image of mayhem. He became a megalomaniac. Huh. In the documentary, Pure Fucking Mayhem, he said, Osteen's daily life was a total theater that was based on the black metal archetype of Euronymous. You know, I'm going to say it. It's a fucking persona. Most uh, musicians put on a fucking act. What you see is a persona. I don't, a lot of times you don't actually see the real person. Like, for fuck's sakes, to give your real self and to, like, really be that vulnerable and open yourself up like that, a lot of musicians can't not do that. Uh, Dead did. And, you know, we'll get into that in a minute. But let me keep on. In an interview by Asa... Ladin Para conducted in August 1993, Euronymous stated, quote, I believe in a horned devil, a personified Satan. In my opinion, all other forms of Satanism are bullshit. Satanism comes from religious Christianity, and there it shall stay. I'm a religious person, and I will fight those who misuse his name. People are not supposed to believe in themselves and be individualists. They are supposed to obey, to be the slaves of religion. <clears throat> the theistic Satanism espoused by Euronymous was an inversion of Roman Catholic dogma. And he claimed, quote, we praise the evil as we believe blindly in a godly creature just like a Christian. On the relationship between religion and science, he said, quote, science can't, scientists can't disprove religion. No matter how hard you try, you can't explain the universe. You can't leave out a religious belief. He opposed the satanic and occultist teachings of Anton LaVey and Aleister Crowley. For unlike Euronymous, they promoted what he saw as, quote, peace and commercial fr uh, frivolity as well as individualism in contrast to dogma. He said he would, quote, never accept any band which preaches Church of Satan ideas as they are just a bunch of freedom and life-loving atheists. And they would stand exactly the opposite of me. When asked what he thought of Crowley's code, quote, do what thou shalt, thou will, thou wilt, shall be the whole of the law he answered people shall do what we want them to do we're against freedom and forced a band from rogaland in norway Beelzebub, to spit to split up as noted earlier some of those who knew euronymous claimed that his extreme satanic image was an act huh while Mortis said that Euronymous was, quote, such a devil worshiper you wouldn't believe it in the black metal documentary Until the Light Takes Us, 
Varg Vickerness. I'm sorry. Can you hear my disdain? I'm sorry. I'm going to get into it. Like, I don't like Oystein either, honestly. He's a fucking... He was a fucking piece of work. Varg. Okay. Varg Vickerness claimed that Euronymous was not a Satanist. I mean, honestly, Varg was his fucking frenemy. That's a... You know, spoiler alert. He was a fucking frenemy. So, I... Suffice it to say, I don't see him saying anything that wouldn't contradict what Oystein was trying to project or present, but whatever. Um, He would go on and say that, you know, Euronymous was not a Satanist. He said, quote, to Arseth, everything was about image and he wanted to appear extreme. He called him a fucking poser. Okay. Quote, he wanted people to think of him as being extreme, the most extreme of them all. But he didn't want to be extreme, and he wasn't really extreme. <sighs> that word extreme is such a scene word from, like, that era. I have to be extreme. Shut the fuck up. You really don't. Like, why do you have to put that label on it? Whatever. Okay. While Metallion, who was friends with both Varg and Oystein, when the latter died and called, you know, Oystein his best friend, wrote that, quote, some people in our scene read a few books and considered themselves Satanists. He made so no, no such statements about Euronymous. Tenebris, from the misanthropic Luciferian order, a Swedish satanic order formed in 1995 wrote that, quote, back then in 1991, things mainly concerned black metal and ideological Satanism and kind of stood and fell with Euronymous and his shop. Therefore, it vanished with his death in 93. Spoiler alert. Over time, some members of the Norwegian scene began to follow paganism. Okay, and that's something that I could totally see, too, because, you know, Vikings and all that other stuff, too, because Norway. Um, Varg Vikernes later claimed that Euronymous was, quote, obsessed with this Satanist thing and disproved of Varg promoting paganism. Euronymous showed no explicit disapproval of paganism, though, and released the pagan band Enslaved first album, which I'm not gonna try to say because it's just that Norwegian. It's like Viking Linger Veldi, yeah, on Death Like Silence Productions. So, in 1990, the band moved into a house in the forest. The desolate home near Oslo was used to record, like, you know, their next album, Pretty Much Party. Uh, Necro Butcher recalled that after a while, Dead and Euronymous began to get on one each, one, on each other's nerves. The two bickered and had petty disagreements that would at times result in violence. One time in particular, or on one particular night, Dead was said to have slept in the forest because Euronymous was playing sync music Dead detested. Like, all night, it's just throbbing through this fucking house. Can you imagine? Like, this shit would probably drive me bonkers. 
Like, and I can listen to most anything, but to just listen to like potentially the same song on repeat, for hours, and you're trying to get your fucking beauty sleep. Oh gosh, fuck that shit. Anyway, so we went and slept in the fucking woods because he was super, you know, miffed. On another occasion, Euronymous began shooting into the night air, which, again, irritated the fucking shit out of Dead. And another time, Dead reportedly stabbed Euronymous. <sighs> again, back to Dead. Filled with a darkness within, Dead became more withdrawn from the band. Like, I mean, like, he was always a melancholy guy who, like, took to, like, being a loner you know what I mean like his music was his pain and his pain was his music and his art and life and all of that shit it was all wrapped up together uh so also dead had a fascination with self with self-harm <sighs> okay and also um sidebar if if you if you need help there's numbers um Please don't hurt yourselves. Um, okay. And began casually cutting on himself in the company of people. His introverted nature and feeling that he was not of this world finally took over. On April 8th, 1990, Dead committed suicide in the home the band owned in the forest. It's said that he used his hunting knife to first slit his wrists and neck and then shot himself in the forehead with a shotgun. I'm not even going to try to, like, work out the logistics on the shotgun part. There's, I mean, obviously there's ways to do it, but, you know, you gotta really... You gotta really know what you're doing. Holy fucking shit. Um, not to be morbid, but how superficial were the lacerations, or how deep were the lacerations on the wrists and the neck? Okay, so Euronymous meet the grisly discovery. The 22-year-old suicide note read as this. Excuse the blood, but I've slit my wrists and neck. It was the intention that I would die in the woods so that it would take a few days before I was possibly found. I belong in the woods and have always done so. No one will understand the reason for this anyway. To give some semblance of an explanation, I'm not a human. This is just a dream, and soon I will wake. It was too cold, and the blood kept clotting. Plus, my new knife is too dull. If I don't succeed dying to the knife, I will blow all the shit out of my skull. Yet, I do not know. I left all my lyrics by, quote, let the good times roll plus the rest of my money whoever finds it gets the fucking thing as a last salutation may I present life eternal do whatever you want with the fucking thing Pele I didn't come up with this now but 17 years ago 
before calling the police to inform them that his bandmate had committed suicide. Euronymous ran to a local, like a little convenience store gas station and bought a disposable camera. Piece of fucking shit. He took photographs of Dead's body after rearranging some of the background items, as well as some of his skull fragments to make necklaces for, you know, bandmates and people that he felt were worthy of having a piece of Dead. Shiver just went down my spine. One of the photos was used as the album cover for their live bootleg album, Dawn of the Black Hearts. Necro Butcher recalls how Euronymous told him of the suicide. Oystein called me up the, the next day and says, Dead has done something really cool. He killed himself. I thought, have you lost it? What do you mean cool? He says, relax, I have photos of everything. I was in shock and grief. He was just thinking how to exploit it. So I told him, okay, don't even fucking call me before you destroy those pictures. After Dead's suicide, Oystein used the death to help foster Mayhem's, quote, evil image. Oystein said that Dead committed suicide because black metal had become trendy and commercialized. What a fucking douche. Mental illness is fucking real. Fuck you. It's not because the scene is dead. The vibe is dead. I'm sorry. Like, this isn't, this is fucking, okay. 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 Back to the script. Because it gets better. There's more. It gets juicier. Following dead suicide, Necro Butcher left the band basically saying that he could no longer put up with Oystein's bullshit and the disrespect he showed dead in life and following his suicide. In later interviews, he would go on to say that he hated Oystein and wanted to kill him himself, but he was beat to it. Necro Butcher later speculated that taking the photographs and forcing others to see them was a way for Oystein to cope with the shock of seeing his friend dead. Dead. He claimed that Oystein, quote, went into a fantasy world. Faust of Emperor believed that dead suicide, quote, marked the point at which, under Euronymous's direction, the black metal scene began its obsession with all things satanic and evil. Chettle Mannheim said that after the suicide, Euronymous, quote, tried to be as extreme. There's that fucking word again. It's like hitchhiking for me. (laughs) As he had talked about. The suicide caused a rift between Euronymous and some of his friends, who were disgusted by his attitude towards dead before the suicide and his behavior afterwards. Like I said, like, Necro Butcher was not with this shit either. So Necro Butcher ended his friendship with Euronymous. Thus, after the suicide, Mayhem was left with only two members, guitarist Euronymous and drummer Hellhammer. So Stain Occultus Johansson joining the band to begin recording vocals and bass tracks in Mayhem's debut album, De Mysteri Doms Satanus. 
However, this was like super short-lived because he left the band after receiving a death threat from Euronymous. Like, really? He comes in to help you the fuck out because your band members are literally dropping like fucking flies because you're a fucking cunt. I said it. He's a see you next Tuesday, y'all. Um, and then you fucking threaten this man. Do you blame him for saying, fuck this shit, I'm out? I don't. In 1993, Live in Leipzig was released as the band's tribute to Dead. Between May and June of 1991, Euronymous opened a record shop named Hulvet, which is Norwegian for hell, at Schweigard's Gate 56 in Oslo. Norwegian black metal musicians often met in the shop's basement, including the two members of Mayhem, the members of Emperor, Varg, Count Grishnik, Vikernes of Buzzrum, and Snor Blackthorn Rook of Thorns. Euronymous also started an independent record label called Death Like Silence Productions, which was based at Helvet. It released albums by Norwegian bands Mayhem and Burzum Ber- uh, and Swedish bands Merciless and Abrupt- Abruptum. Euronymous Varg. I'm never not going to say it like that. Let's hit it with some echo real quick. Hold up. Varg. Varg. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. This guy gets under my skin, too. I'm sorry. But anyways, Varg wasn't even his real name. Just going to throw that out there. (laughs) He fucking changed his name, but whatever. Poser. So who's the fucking poser, bro? Anyways, sorry. (laughs) <laughs> I will say this about Varg. <laughs> Another sidebar. Like, I, when I watched... I watched a movie about mayhem, right? And so, you know, you watch the movie, and it stars Rory Culkin. Love you, Rory. Actually, I love Macaulay. I love Rory. I love Karen. I love them Culkin boys. I swear. To be sure, I do. Anyway, so, like, Rory plays Oystein, so I was, like, really trying to be, like, Team Oystein through this shit, and I don't remember who played Varg, but I go to look at, like, you know, what they really looked like in real life, and let me tell you something, in his heyday, Varg had that sexy fucking, like, beautiful Pantene Pro-V I bet if he popped out of a swimming pool, the shit was perfect, like, the model, like, he could do the hair toss, and it would, oh, man, like, I was like, man, I don't like you, but you've got amazing hair, Varg, (laughs) anyways, so, Euronymous also started the independent record label, and, you know, did the damn thing. Uh, Euronymous Varg and Emperor guitarist Thomas Samoth. Yeah, Samoth Hugen. I, I guess that's how we're calling it. Is it. Yeah, I believe it is. All lived at Helvet at various times. So they were like, 
like i mean like it sounds like the crash pad of crash pads to be perfectly honest with you homie opens up a fucking record label slash record store slash like hang spot slash sesh spot slash fucking party house okay i'm with it you could crash there and like the little loft or whatever if you needed to actually kind of sounds pretty fucking cool emperor drummer faust also lived and worked there and you could work there and thump through the fucking stacks oh yes the shop's walls were painted black and were bedecked with like medieval weapons posters of bands and picture discs while the window featured a fucking tombstone which is pretty you know fitting with the scene According to occultists, the space that Euronymous rented, quote, was far too big and the rent was too high. The rent's too damn high. That's the reason why it never did well. Only a small part of the building was used for the shop itself because obviously, like, you only have X amount of, like, records that you got your hands on to sell and tchotchkes nevertheless it became the focal point of the norwegian black metal scene metallian writer of the fanzine slayer said that the opening of Hulvet was quote the creation of the whole norwegian black metal scene daniel eckeroth wrote in 2008 within just a few months of Hulvet's opening, many young musicians had become obsessed with Euronymous and his ideas and soon a lot of Norwegian death metal bands transformed into black metal bands Amputation became immortal, Thou Shalt Suffer turned into Emperor and Dark Throne swapped their Swedish inspired death metal for primitive black metal most notoriously, old funerals guitar player Christian. Uh huh. Here we go. Old funerals guitar player Christian, later renamed as Varg Vickerness, had already left the band to form his own creation, Buzzrum. Euronymous helped like many younger bands in the scene. Like he was literally like, yo, I may be like only like. 22 23 years old but i am literally like the great 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 fucking grandfather of this let me take you under my wing um uh you know so he was doing that you know like i might get your song played on my radio station yeah i might get your record bought up in my record store yeah he got really beyonce on him (laughs) anyways so he really was helpful and influential in like helping develop the scene and you know because you can't have a scene if it's literally just like two bands that's not a scene that's sad so you know he especially helped many younger bands in the scene especially emperor and enslaved both of whom he recommended to candlelight records um ism of emperor said that quote if you were trusted if you knew you were if he knew if they knew you were serious in your views you were accepted by the helvet scene euronymous took varg in who was five years younger than him like under his wing again like 
he took him in, inviting him to play bass with Mayhem and offering to release his music as Buzzroom. However, it had been claimed that their friendship turned into rivalry. Retrospectively, Faust said, It sounds really silly, but I think there was a bit of a contest between them to see who, who could be more evil. It created a very difficult situation, especially for Euronymous, who wanted the glamour and the showbiz. With him, there was a lot of smoke, but not so much fire. Mm. This is when shit started to go really left between Frenemies, Oystein, and Varg. On June 6th, 1992, the Fantoft Stav Church in Bergen was destroyed by arson. Varg was strongly suspected as the culprit, but was never convicted. There followed a wave of church burnings across Norway, perpetrated by musicians and fans of the Norwegian black metal scene. Euronymous was present at the burning of Holman Colon Chapel, together with Varg and Faust, who were convicted for the arson after Euronymous was dead. Faust said he believed that Euronymous got involved because he, quote, felt he had to prove that he could be a part of it and not just in the background. To coincide with the release of Mayhem's De Mysteri Dom Satanus, Varg and Euronymous had allegedly plotted to bomb Nidaros Cathedral, which appeared on the album cover. Euronymous's death in August 1993 put an end to this plan and stalled the album's release. In a 1993 interview on a Swedish radio station, Euronymous said of the church burnings, quote, they, the Christians, must feel that there is a dark evil power present that they have to fight, which will make them more extreme. We also believe that when a church burns, it's not only Christians who suffer, but people in general. Imagine a beautiful old Stav church. What happens when it burns? The Christians feel despair. God's house is destroyed, and ordinary people will suffer from grief because something beautiful was destroyed. So you end up spreading grief and despair, which is a good thing. In January, in a January 1993 article in one of Norway's biggest newspapers, Bergens Tendende, uh brought the black metal scene into the media spotlight. Varg Vikernes, who was using his pseudonym Count Grishnek, gave an anonymous interview to a journalist from the newspaper in which he claimed to have burnt the churches and killed a man in Lillehammer. According to Varg, the anonymous interview was planned by himself and Oystein. The goal, he said, was to, quote, scare people, promote black metal, and get more customers for Helvet. He added that the interview revealed nothing that could prove his involvement in any crime. He was, like, super vague about it, like, churches burned. Like, okay, no shit, Sherlock. 
churches burned and we fucking reported on it. However, by the time the article was printed, Varg had already been arrested. <laughs> fucking dumbass. Some of the other scene members... Again, that damn word, but okay. Some of the other scene members were also arrested and questioned, but all were released for lack of evidence. Varg himself was released in March of 1993, also for a lack of evidence. That month, Karang published an article about the Norwegian black metal scene. In it, Euronymous and Varg presented themselves as leaders of a militant cult-like group of satanic terrorists. Euronymous claimed that Helvet helps fund its activities, but said that he is not directly involved in its crimes, because if he were caught, the organization would fall apart. After the Bergen-Tindend episode, uh, Euronymous decided to shut Helvet as it began to draw the attention of the police and the media. Varg and the authors of Lords of Chaos claimed that Euronymous's parents pressured him into shutting down Helvet. One will never know. Maybe Mumsies and Dadums did have something to do with it. In early 1993, uh, animosity rose between Euronymous and Varg, as well as between Euronymous and some members of the Swedish black metal scene. On the night of August 10th, 1993, Varg stabbed Oystein to death at his apartment in Oslo. The murder was initially blamed on Swedish black meddlers by the media. It has been speculated that the murder was the result of a power struggle, a financial dispute over Buzzroom Records, you know, like Euronymous owned Varg a large sum of royalty payments, or an attempt at outdoing the stabbing in Lillehammer. Varg claims that he killed Oystein in self-defense. He says that Oystein had plotted to stun him with... <laughs> to stun him with a taser, tie him up, and torture him to death while videotaping the event. Varg explained that if he was talking about it to everyone and anybody I wouldn't have taken it seriously, but he just told a select group of friends, and one of them told me. He said Oystein planned to use a meeting about an unsigned contract to ambush him. On the night of the murder, Varg and uh, Snorn Blackthorn Rook drove from Bergen to Oystein's apartment in Toitengatten in Oslo. Blackthorn stood outside smoking while Varg climbed the stairs to Oystein's apartment on the fourth floor. Varg said he met Oystein at the door to hand him the signed contract, but when he stepped forward and confront and you know, but then like he like stepped forward and like confronted Oystein. Oystein panicked and kicked him in the chest. Varg claimed that Oystein ran into the kitchen to grab a knife. The two got into a struggle and Varg stabbed Oystein to death. His body was found in the stairwell of the first floor with 23 stab wounds, two to the head, five to the neck, 16 to the back. You know, because okay, Varg contended that most of Oystein's wounds were caused by broken glass because he had fallen during the struggle. After the murder, <clears throat> Varg and 
snort, drove back to Bergen. But, you know, like, as Varg was leaving the building, obviously, because Oystein was on the first floor, he, like, crawled to his death trying to get help. So that's pretty fucking tragic. That's really sad. Um, you know, on the way, they stopped off at a lake where Varg disposed of his bloodstained clothes, and then, you know, this claim of self-defense was doubted by Faust. While Necro Butcher believes that Varg killed Oystein due to the death threats he received from him, Necro Butcher also intended to murder Oystein himself due to his tasteless capitalizing on dead suicide. Snor uh, claims that Varg planned to murder Oystein and pressured him into coming along. He claims that in the summer of 1993, he was almost committed to a mental hospital but fled to Bergen and stayed with Varg. Snor said of the murder, quote, I, wasn't, I was neither for nor against it. I didn't give a shit about Oystein. Vickerness, however, claimed that he had not planned the killing and, you know, that Snor came along to show Oystein some new guitar riffs. Varg was arrested on August 19, 1993, in Bergen. Many other members of the scene, including Snor and Faust, were also taken in for questioning. The trial began on May 2, 1994. At the trial, it was claimed that Varg, Snor, and another friend had planned the, the murder. The third person stayed at the apartment in Bergen as an alibi to make it look like they never left Bergen. He was to rent movies, play them in the apartment, and withdraw money from Varg's credit card. On May 16, 1994, Varg was sentenced to 21 years in prison, which is Norway's maximum penalty for the murder of Oystein, the arson of three churches, the attempted arson of a fourth church, and for the theft and storage of 150 kilograms of explosives. However, he only confessed to the latter. Two churches were burnt the day he was sentenced, quote, presumably as a statement of symbolic support. Snor was sentenced to eight years in prison for being an accomplice, and Varg was released from prison on parole in 2009. At Oystein's funeral, Hellhammer, you know, Mayhem's drummer, and Necro Butcher, Mayhem's former bassist, decided to continue with the band and worked on releasing De Mysteries Dome Sathanas. Before the release, Oystein's family asked Hellhammer to remove the bass tracks recorded by Varg. Hellhammer said, I thought it was appropriate that the murderer and victim were on the same record. I put word out that I was recording the bass parts, but I never did. The album, which has Euronymous on electric guitar and Varg on bass guitar, was finally released in May 1994. Fuck you, Hulhammer. Because, like, literally... There was, like... It was literally, like, one fucking request from the family. But, the, uh, okay. Hulhammer. I feel like that was, like, Hulhammer and Necro Butcher's 
fuck you for like the way that Oystein treated Purr and the rest of the band members. Huh. A part of the Norwegian scene considered Varg a traitor for murdering Oystein and turning his back on Satanism in favor of nationalism and Odinism. Although Varg claims he was never a Satanist and had only used Satan to provoke, they saw Euronymous's death as a significant loss to the scene, and some black meddlers have, quote, sworn to avenge Arseth's death. A few years after the murder, Isan of Emperor said, quote, There's no discipline in the scene anymore, like early on around the shop. After his death, a, quote, cult developed around the memory of Euronymous, and he was hailed by some as the king or godfather of black metal. A new generation of musicians also tried to gain credibility by riding on the back of his legacy. However, many of Euronymous's friends and bandmates speak of the killing with a tone of indifference. Lords of Chaos remarks, quote, What is striking is how little they care about the lives or deaths of one another. In the book, Hellhammer, Issam, and Samoth claim that Euronymous's death either did not affect them or did not shock them. Anders Odin, a friend of Euronymous at the time, said of the murder, quote, It wasn't odd that he ended up getting killed. He thought he could threaten to kill people without it having without it having any consequences. He added, quote, I think many people felt relief once he was gone. Writer and musician Erland Erickson agreed, saying, quote, nobody was there to boss them about. The black metal police were gone. So, since then, you know, Mayhem has continued to put out music. Let's get some stats on that real quick. Um, obviously, we've rotated a lot of musicians so between 1994 and present they are still active making music uh what had happened is this holy fucking shit snacks okay so i feel like with a lot of things when we develop something we want to stand out we want to be individuals we want to be really cool or kick ass and we want to be cool with it you know what I mean like deep down most of us not all but most of us you know want that acceptance we want to be perceived as being like cutting edge or cool or a vibe and Oystein really was a whole fucking vibe Oystein Arseth took a scene that was happening throughout Europe and North America and he capitalized on it and he turned it into something that was uniquely his own you know I mean honestly when I think of black metal mayhem is the first band group that comes to my mind truly truly they really are 
Um, so there's that. He, 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 but he was a little fucking dickhead too. Okay. And there's a lot of ego that goes into <laughs> these bands. We've seen it time and time again. There's a lot of fucking id. There's a lot of ego. You know, your hubris has got, you know, it's, it's a lot. Um, especially when you, when you, uh, invoke a godlike or antichrist-like in, you know, in his, in his, you know, uh, regards, uh, kind of persona amongst a scene that you create. You create your followers, you create this anticipation for these off-the-wall antics that are going to happen at your shows, um, you outdo yourself every time with your grossness levels, which is something that, you know, is, or traditionally was customary in all of these, here goes the word, scene, and all of these scenes, you know, there's always been that kind of, like, pushing the envelope further and further and further but there should be a separation between the persona and the person when it comes to interactions with people behind you know behind closed doors your bandmates your bandmates are you're in a partnership when you're in a band when you're in a band you know there's components unless you're a one man band which i mean he might still be alive if he had managed to pull that shit off. Unless you're a one-man bandstand, there's a partnership. Everybody has their job. Everybody has their niche. And together, each component comes together to create this experience, this sound. Uh, whatever it is that you guys are about. And when you are combative as fuck and you antagonize or you pick and you prod at people you're gonna make enemies you are gonna be hard to work with people you're gonna have a revolving door of artists that come in you're gonna meet some people who are not here for your fuck shit okay this is the scientific method this is the okay oystein fucked around and then he found the fuck out. He's the victim. Yes, he is. But he was a fucking bully. He was a bully. He was a bully. Okay? I mean... And, to, and he was a capitalist. You weren't a Satanist. You were a fucking capitalist. Because it's trash baggins. <laughs> Do you have any ghost hunter fans out there? That's my... That's my, uh, that's my loving term of endearment for Zach Baggins. I call him Trash Baggins. <laughs> Anyways, you know what I mean? Like, he was Trash Baggins to purr in life. And, I mean, to pick, 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 pick at a person that you know, like, you fucking look at this man. The man buried his fucking If he could have got away with it, he probably would have slept in a fucking pine coffin. Okay? Like, he would have slept it. I believe that Purr would have really, like, taken on the entire persona of 
being dead because that is exactly what he felt and that's you know what he was coming out of his spirit so like if he could have got away with it he would have slept in one of those old school pine coffins uh you know and he might and he would he would have probably had it set up in the forest because that was his happy place and there'd be like mushrooms growing around it i mean it's a whole vibe moss i could see it right now and he was so sad and so you know in his own shit and you kept fucking picking at him okay you fucking picked at him then he kills himself not necessarily because of oystein okay i'm not going to necessarily put the blame at his feet but you know what i mean like he kills himself and then what do you do you fucking piece of shit you run out you go holy fucking shit this is the coolest shit i've ever fucking seen in my life <laughs> let me get in my volvo and run down to the local general store and buy a disposable camera so i can take pictures of this death scene because you know what you know what sells dead's dead ass on the cover of my fucking album yes you know what's awesome awesome taking some of his fucking skull to make necklaces to dole out to people how whoever i feel is worthy of it get the fuck out of here before you call the police before you call the police you do all of this you were a piece of shit and then you talked you probably talked shit you did talk shit about dead you said dead killed himself because black metal was dead it became commercialized it became like pop 40 it became relevant get the fuck out of here stop it okay but then there was var Varg was basically a frenemy in the okay it okay so let me paint the picture for you these two men lived a they lived this weird thing where they were in competition with each other um they were trying to keep up with one another it's like keeping up with the joneses so oystein is the older of the two friends and he creates something he creates a scene he creates a vibe he creates this whole thing right and then he takes this person varg under his wing and varg starts to take off on his own and varg starts to create his own following of people and so now oystein is like fuck now i gotta try to keep up with this little kid who you know i basically gave this platform to and so it the 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 scales are no longer balanced okay and so oystein felt like he had to keep up with varg varg felt like he had to be better than oystein and that's where the two started to butt heads and so i mean and also again like i said when you threaten to kill people or you talk about killing people you know fuck around and find out eventually you could get the fucking heater too you could get it fem fem you could cash the heat you could get the smoke for free you know well not for free because you ended up doing you know varg ended up doing some time so there's a lot of videos if you want to check out what varg vickerness and his wife are up to available on youtube i've totally checked them out not gonna link those in the description box because i don't really fucking care um there's that i don't align myself with a lot of the beliefs that 
he and a lot of the other members of the groups of the group you know also aligned themselves with personally so i'm not gonna give them you know rent free space in my brain but you can totally look into it uh there's that also like i said there's a document there's a movie actually that is out let's give this one a quick goog because i really thought it was lame because it was posted in the horror section and i was like the fuck this is like a uh this is not okay this is not what the fuck this is are you serious the movie's called lords of chaos and it's based off of the book lords of chaos by let's see here let's open this up real quick which was it is based off of the book written by it doesn't even say um it kind of does but it doesn't and okay we really don't have time to look for all of that uh yeah i don't i don't see it in here oh it was written by dennis mag magnuson and uh jonas ackerland so they adapted you know the 1998 book into a 2018 quote horror thriller film and i don't really see it as a fucking horror but i mean okay weird flex whatevs um again like i said i only liked it because i'm a rory culkin fan i found it you know very informative if you're gonna watch basically any movie about a band like the one about the doors was that one just called the doors i don't even remember or you know any of the ones about Jimi hendrix or the man in black and all of that shit you know what i mean Reith franklin all of that you know the biopic that's what it is it's a fucking biopic so check it out if you want to Anyways, I'm Kimberly. This is your second installment of our spooktacular spooky season month of what had happened, what the fuck episodes of what had happened to true crime podcast. This is totally a true crime, totally fucked up. Y'all don't go killing your fucking bandmates, man. Don't go killing your bandmates. Don't go killing your friends. Don't go killing your frenemies. Just don't go killing people. You know, that's like, that's, that's where I stand with that. Like, you know... that's really not the kind of population control we need you know don't go killing people don't do that don't do that don't do that don't do that it's not a good look because you're gonna get fucking caught and then i'm gonna talk about it and do you want me to add my saucy spin to it no you don't want me to call you a cunt you don't so anyways i'm kimberly this is what it happened to true crime podcast enjoy see you guys later no outro music